0: When I think of getting back to life, I think about, you know, getting back to soccer and, you know, getting back to high energy things that I used to do before I got sick. But just because my life has changed doesn't mean that it's over. And that was a really important thing to learn.
1: Welcome to Invisible Not Broken. Today, we're talking about growing up sick, being productive, and dogs. Our host, Monica, is joined by author Alexis Klein, who lives with dysautonomia. Alexis, I was amazed at like everything you were doing because you're running a self-publishing company and you wrote one of the cutest books about POTS. And I really wanted to talk to you about it because there's a lot of kids right now, especially with our COVID world, where there's a lot of kids who now have POTS symptoms and they don't know how to deal with it. You are before the COVID world and you had a journey, didn't you, to getting that that diagnosis?
0: Yes. So I don't technically I have POTS. I have another form of dysautonomia. At the time, they just called it general dysautonomia. They don't really have a specific diagnosis under that umbrella for me, but a lot of my symptoms line up with POTS. And because that is such prevalent diagnosis, especially these days, I really focused in on that for my book. But my journey to getting diagnosed was about seven months. And the really weird thing about that diagnosis was at the time it was 15 years ago so it wasn't as popular of a diagnosis wasn't as well known even to doctors and it was just like he just said you'll grow out of it you know and there was no really talk about how to get better it was just you know you're gonna be tired that's okay and eventually you'll grow out of it. So it's just kind of, okay, I'll just keep sleeping and sleeping around the clock and waiting. And one day I'll wake up and I won't be tired anymore. I eventually realized, hey, that's not going to happen. And you were like super
1: active, weren't you?
0: You were into soccer. I was, yeah. I was on three different competitive soccer teams and I never sat still. That was kind of my, as a kid was go, go, go. And then one day I stopped hard. I couldn't get up. I'm just wondering how you are supposed to get some rest
1: in between being a kid with the responsibilities of school and soccer and you're supposed to stop. I mean, when you're doing competitive sports, stopping is not a whatever idea. That's that's a huge wrench in a career.
0: Yeah. Well, when I got sick, I I really didn't have an option. I, I couldn't get up. I was really was sleeping around the clock and it was just a total life change for me. And because he said You know, just rest when you're tired and eventually you'll get better. It wasn't like I was learning how to adapt to fatigue and learning how to, you know, schedule my day in more efficient ways or anything like that because... I just slept enough. Eventually, I was going to get better. Uh, That's a a kind of cruel little
1: carrot to dangle in front of someone. Like, if you just sleep, you'll you'll feel better. It's like, oh, okay, I'll try. That didn't work.
0: Yeah, but it was and He kind of kept moving the goalpost too. It was, you know, I was 13 when I got diagnosed and it was, you know, most people grow out of it in a year or so. And then it was like, by the time you're 16, by the time you're 18, 18, definitely by by the time you're 20. And I was like, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to try to figure out how to live my life in a more effective way.
1: So what did you learn about living your life in a more effective way?
0: Just that, yeah, it's hard. You have to change. You have to accept it, you know, for one thing. And but once I did, I was able to kind of adjust and realize, you know, it's okay that I get tired faster now. It's okay that I need to rest a little bit more to ask for help when I need it, which I'm still not very good at, but I'm working on it. And, you know, it's okay to do things differently, but what can't happen, keep going on is just not doing things at all and just waiting. And if I can't live my old life, then I can't live a life at all. You have to make those changes and live within what you're able to do.
1: That's such an important point you just made of if I can't live my old life it was I feel like that's that's sort of that goalpost that we we have when we first get sick is like I just want to get back to I want to get back I want to get back to who I used to be yes and if that's not a possibility I feel like the media in all of its glory and all of its glee show and everything's like if you can't get back to that man I don't know what's up for you and that's such an important thing we all need to talk about as sick people is there's still a lot out there it's just not going to be what there was.
0: Yes, absolutely. So how
1: did you get to that point? That's a a very wise assertion. You're very young. It took me like decades to get to there. You are on fast track. How did you get there? How did you get to a point? Did you have a lot of friends support? Did you have a lot of family support? Are you just this smart?
0: So uh, at that point, I really didn't have a lot of friends. I'd had Quite a few before I got sick, but you know, friendships kind of fade away when you're not seeing them regularly as a kid. It's hard to keep that type of friendship going. But I did have really good family support. I have really great family. And they got me a dog shortly after I got sick. And that little dog, she was an Australian Shepherd named Maddie. And she really changed my life. And just having her constant companionship, love and support, it just changes your whole attitude. And I think most chronic patients know by now that mindset is everything. And so that was a huge thing, just trying to get up more to be with her, take her for a little walk when I could, play with her, train her to do tricks and things like that. It was the first thing that really got me up and going. And then from there, it was, I want to try to go to work, you know, and figure out what job I can do. And then I started to meet people again and have more friendships. And then I met my husband and we, you know, got married. So things happen kind of naturally once you're able to make that first step and accepting the changes in your life and moving forward. They will start to happen naturally, but it, it's an unnatural feeling to go against, you know, when I'm, think of getting back to life. I think about, you know, getting back to soccer and, you know, getting back to high energy things that I used to do before I got sick. But just because my life has changed doesn't mean that it's over. And that was a really important thing to learn.
1: That's like one of those quotes I just like emblazoned across the sky. Like it does not mean it's over. It's just different. Yes. And the dog idea for your parents, what a beautiful, thing when I got really sick we got pug, and that basically kept me going through some of the worst stuff because you're so right once you get sick your life changes so much that the people could fit in your life before like your friends who are soccer friends like I had my work friends and my social life changed so hardcore once I was really sick and having a dog was you know Kind of everything. Maybe start like really just happy without working for the happy.
0: Yes, yes. So you
1: went to onto working. Is that was that when you start writing, or was writing just a part of your life
0: always? Writing was sort of always part of my life. When I was, uh, I think, I was six or seven, I wrote my first book, A Wicked Snowman in the Good. Um, such a treasure that one. But uh, I did. I always enjoyed writing, especially creative writing. I had blogs here and there. Did some freelance work, but when I went, I went to work actually at a fairly physical job at an amusement park, and that's where I met my husband. The physical and long hours didn't work for me very long term. So shortly after we got married, I actually ended up having to leave the workforce because it was just too much for my body. And that's when I really started focusing on writing.
1: And when did you decide to write this book? And tell me a lot about this book, because I, I think it's going to be a really helpful one. I, I know of I a whole bunch of kids right now who have POTS, who are like teenagers and are trying to figure out what this all means, what being sick means. I know like even back when I was a kid, which was there was no one talking about sick kids unless we're talking like, you know, little women and Tuberculosis, like there is no roadmap for how to be a sick teenager unless you, you know, were going to die in a Victorian nightgown. There just was nothing. Yes. How does this roadmap work? What are some of the things you want people to know? What are some of the things that your family did that worked and didn't work for you?
0: Oh, well, I was pretty lucky because I was homeschooled. So not having to worry about the falling behind in school was a huge, huge help. Wow. And they kind of let me process things. You know, I, my kind of internal clock got all switched around. I was sleeping all day and being up in the night. And of course that kind of further my isolation, but my mom would stay up with me for much of the night, more than she should have. She was a bus driver, so she didn't get up early in the morning, but she would sit with me on the couch and just try to be with me and just let me know, you know, that I wasn't alone. was a really big thing. But yeah, I'm getting the dog. And when they first brought up the idea of of getting a dog, I was like, you know, I don't think that's a good idea because I knew that I wasn't physically able to take care of her and just didn't think that that was the right decision, responsibility-wise. And my sister and my mom were like, you know, we're going to help you. We're not just going to get the dog and expect you to do everything. So they... Convinced me that was going to be okay. And like I said, that was really a life changer for me, was getting the dog in my life. And so, yeah, uh, that is kind of the big story in the book. I wrote the book and dedicated it to Maddie. And it is about a young girl, soccer player, who develops pots and just her whole life changes. She doesn't know what to do. And they adopt this dog, Compass encompass kind of helps her with all of those emotional things and teaching her how to adjust to life and that just because it's different doesn't mean it's over teaches her to keep going and just kind of adjust your outlook on things and for her she loves soccer that was her whole passion so she ends up becoming a coach and so she has to be less physical, can't run around on the field, quite the same. But she can still help share what she knows about the game with the younger kids and, and help them learn how to develop or play the game.
1: That's amazing because it goes back to what you just said, which is it's not going to be the same, but it's going to be still, it's you. It's just going to be different. Yeah. I love that. So how did you end up writing this book? Like, Did you sit down with an idea and just start working on, Microsoft Word, or how did you get the like? It's so hard to think about. Like, I'm going to write a book and then, like, what do I do next?
0: Yeah. So I know a lot of writers have a lot of different processes, and usually, the first step is try an outline. It did not work like that for me. I was thinking about Maddie one day. It was a little bit after she had passed away and I was thinking about her and just the impact that she had on my life. And I thought, I'm going to write a book for her. And it just all kind of came into my head at once. And I sat down with the notebook first and I wrote it out. And when I felt like the story was pretty much done, I put it on a Word document and edited it lengthened it and we find the story but yeah it just it just all kind of came to me at once is it an illustrated book or is it no it isn't I saw the cover and the
1: cover was so cute I was like oh is this like all the way through or
0: no just the cover
1: and how are you handling the is, to get the word out on a book is exhausting managing things is very hard to say no when it's your own project how are you protecting your health? are you able to or is this a new set of rules for you to learn
0: Yeah, I am kind of learning, navigating as I go. Marketing in general is not what I say, but saying. So particularly social media is kind of way beyond me outside of what I am interested in or capable of. I guess I could probably learn it if I really tried. But it's one of those things where you have to decide because you only have so much energy. And you have to decide what am I going to start it on what's important to me. So whether it's, you know, one day a week, I'm going to really just spend my energy on working on these marketing projects and then spend my energy the rest of the week on other things that I enjoy or I can do an hour a day on the marketing and the rest of the rest of my energy all things that I enjoy it just so just kind of playing with that messing with it figuring out what works best for me and what is most successful it's still a learning process and what have you learned about like managing you just for like you know
1: adulting which I'm like almost 50 and I'm still trying to figure any of it out and I'm gonna blame that on chronic illness how do you handle your energy throughout the day to get like basic adult stuff done and yes I'm actually asking for tips
0: napping is huge It's very essential. And that was something that was one of those things I had to just accept. It was a thing for me that like, I don't need to nap. I'm an adult. It was like, well, yeah, I need to nap. And if I don't nap, my day doesn't go very well. So just kind of accept it. It's something you have to do. Um, So I take a nap every day. And that's a huge thing. And, you know, it sounds over repeated, but uh, a healthy diet and lots of water is so important. Whenever I'm dehydrated, I notice it drastically. So staying hydrated is super important. Uh, One of the biggest life changers for me staying on my seat has been compression socks. Uh, My blood pooling is so bad. I won't last 15 minutes if I don't have them on. So that's been a huge thing. You have a favorite brand? Doc or Sports.
1: Good to know. Thank you. I like that. I do like that our advice for everything besides the socks has been like, be a cat is what I'm hearing. It's like, just nap all day had some good food, some good water, and just feel the bed,
0: be at one with the bed. Yeah, I mean, I try to be a little more active than that if I can. But when you need to be, that's, you know... You gotta accept it. But I hear what
1: I want to hear here and what I'm hearing is to get well with the bed with the cats. So.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean this year I really put a little more effort into getting outside every day to get some vitamin D. Obviously there's going to be a few bad weather days that you're not going to be able to get out but even if you have to put on a coat or something to get out there for five to ten minutes it makes a big difference. My attitude is hugely changed by sun. You're in the U.S. right? Yes, Southern I'm in Arkansas. I was not sure if you were like, up like in Michigan with snows or... No, I actually did move from the Northeast. I moved for help reasons. So do you
1: move for like better weather for your heart or just it was a, a different thing entirely?
0: I was kind of hoping that it would help be better weather, but overall it's probably kind of net neutral weather-wise. But we just wanted to change, wanted to do something different. That is a very fair point, just in and of itself, is just to try something new and see if it works.
1: My POTS is, I, I faint like a Victorian all the time. It's ridiculous. I need a better outfit for it, is what this comes down to. And we moved closer to my parents because I was fainting, trying to like walk the kids to school and everything. Do you have like support near you or are you able to, you're not as fainty as I am, I'm guessing.
0: I am not as faint. Like I said, I don't quite have POTS, don't quite make them work on the tachycardia marks. So I fold down, but I don't lack out. But we moved away from most of our support system. Just thanks for helping us. We're out of here. No, I mean, like I said, we wanted to do something different. So I I still have my husband with me, obviously. But we didn't know anybody out here in the area. So we we got plugged into a church. and We're making a new support system. But no, when we came out here, it was just the two of us figuring things out. I mean, marriage, right? Yeah, exactly. So if I'm understanding correctly, you are dealing with them you don't really have a
1: diagnosis on a lot of stuff. Is that right? It's just you feel like there's something wrong. And I'm asking this because it's a huge issue for a lot of people. I went through like 25 years with the wrong diagnosis. Ugh. Trying to get the right diagnosis was exhausting and it just left me feeling crazy. Like, am I exaggerating symptoms? Am I, am I remembering that right? Did I remember this was how it went? And there's lots of gaslighting that I was experiencing with the medical community. And I have, you know, white coat anxiety where someone comes in in a white coat, I just shut down. So not having a diagnosis is in my estimate way harder to handle
0: yes you need to know what sh- what you're facing
1: yeah and you don't know what the the road's gonna be you don't have you can't even go to like reddit and go okay who in my community is dealing with this you don't it, it absolutely right from all the community
0: yes yes so um like i said they called it at the time general dysautonomia and dysautonomia has kind of expanded to be more of an umbrella term since that time. So now if you go in and someone's, you know, to a new doctor and they ask you what's wrong and you say I oh, have general dysautonomia, they're like, that's not a thing. So I don't have an exact diagnosis in that way and have kind of diagnosed me with a lot of comorbidities small fiber neuropathy and Hashimoto's and I had the Epstein-Barr virus so that's obviously still my system goes up and down creates a little bit of chronic fatigue. so all of these different things that pop up and they slap their name on that but it's just then they try to treat them all individually but they're obviously all coming from the same place but they haven't really pinpointed that is so it's definitely stressful and that I get the most help when I'm not looking for help from the doctors. And I'm just kind of trying to live a healthier life and work on my nervous system. And that type of thing has done me way more good than any of the tests, doctor's appointments, medications that they've thrown at me throughout the years has really worked out for me. I mean, just chronic fatigue and trying to manage all the doctor's appointments and
1: all the things you're supposed to try and do and then remember is there needs to be a better app or something to Yes, help us. So, like, I, I use like reminders a lot for things like I have all my different doctors on reminders and then I just like put like stuff in throughout the day that I need to ask them or tell them and then it reminds me when I get to their office, that's what I need to talk about, but. I need something better because like trying to remember stuff and deal with like everything and remember the doctor's appointments, it's too much when you're already sick.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's so draining. And like I said, you have to decide what you're going to spend your energy on and you have to figure out how much value you're getting, from the things that you're spending your energy on. And if you're going to spend, you know, five hours a week in a doctor's office, are they helping you? Are they trying to get to the bottom of things or are they giving you more anxiety, more stress, not giving you answers, giving you medications that make you feel worse. And you have to just decide, like, is this benefiting me or not? And for me, it hasn't. It. That doesn't mean I don't ever see a doctor or I don't ever look for more answers, but it's not worth it for me to spend my time going from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and trying different things and wasting all of my energy and my money that you know things that are at a premium with the chronic illness community welcome to the united states so yeah it's definitely one of those things that you just have to figure out if it's worth it for you
1: so what's worth it for you what you what had ideal world would you be spending your energy on
0: if In an ideal world i would probably still be playing soccer but you know I, I do love to work Leaving the workforce was very hard for me i'd love to you know be out working I like physical labor. I like to be active and be outside and just, just do anything active really. But that is not even an option for me on a good day. So, you know, writing is certain, something certainly that I enjoy and spending time with my husband and playing fantasy football takes up more time of my life than it probably should. Photography, moving out here. We've gotten a lot of wildlife around us. I'm able to do wildlife photography without going very far, which is really nice. I really enjoy that. I and mean, when you're doing
1: wildlife photography, it's mostly being as still as possible and sitting down, right?
0: Right, right. So that's that works well for me. And my wildlife photography right now,
1: as you can hear my my wolf barking in the background and my little like obscenely weird strange hamster pug and the chicken (laughs) and the cats. Uh, That's (laughs) what I can get in. What do you have around your area?
0: We have some deer and we had a baby skunk in our yard the other day. They're really cute. You know, they're not frightening you.
1: Skunks are adorable. They're the cutest little things. I mean, they they smell like hell, but they're adorable.
0: They're so cute. Yeah. So as long as they're a safe distance away, you know, that's fun. We'll just have a lot of birds here that. different obviously from the region uh, of the country I was from before Uh, a lot of different white panthers and I love bluebirds I had bluebirds up north too but I love them and we have them in abundance here and hummingbirds and all kinds of things something new every day yes well thank you so
1: much for your time i do have one final question for you I ask everyone it's a very strange one but it's my favorite one do you have anything that you bought for under a hundred dollars that just really has made your life easier i have to thank tim ferris for that question but it's just one of my favorite questions because it's like there's always just some random thing that makes things better and like while you're thinking about it like one of my favorite things that i'm not sponsored was like the ceiling mattress cover and it's a heater so it's like a full body heater. Like it's amazing. That sounds very nice. Oh my god, when you have sword muscle muscles, like everything. Yeah, I
0: mean, I would have to go back to the compression socks. I mean, like I said, they've just totally changed my life. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. If you would like to check out
1: the book, we're gonna have links directly on our show notes. And everyone keep an eye out for it. hopefully Tina is going to be coming on very soon. So be kind, be gentle and be a badass. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about today's episode, including show notes, transcripts, and more, please visit InvisibleNotBroken.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support this show by heading over to our Patreon or by sharing these episodes. We are non-advertising, and our growth is thanks to you listeners. Thank you to our hosts Monica and Alexis for a wonderful discussion. This episode was edited by me, Luke Spine, Last but not least, be kind, be gentle, and be badass.